We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. My nombre is Vince D'Addario, and uh, my compadre is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at uh, irishbreakdown.com. And uh, we're going to kind of start our, a little bit of a series here talking about uh, season wrap-ups, let's call it. Uh, we're we're going to talk – today we're going to do one – on the defensive side of the ball and our next podcast, we will talk about the offensive side of the ball. Just basically our, our, our season, you know, review what we thought we're going to break it down. Where did they stand, you know, against other teams in the country, other elite squads? Um, you know, how does that shape up with other Notre Dame teams that we've seen in recent years? Uh, and then where are they headed uh, as a whole? Which, which, what direction are they headed in? Do they have a bunch of starters that they're going to have to replace? Uh, are there a bunch of holes to fill? Um, and we kind of know the answer to that, but we want to make sure that we, we, uh, we start the offseason with a nice bow on the 2020 season, if you will. So we're going we're gonna to jump into the defense today, Brian. And uh, let's, start, let's start with the big picture. Um, your thoughts on the defense as a whole, I think, I think we can both agree – that the defense was a strength of this team mm-hmm. overall. Um, but let, let's jump into some specifics. Uh, what were your thoughts on the defense as a whole this season? I mean, they carried the team for much of the year. Yeah. I mean, if you really dive into the numbers, for all the talk, sometimes narratives get created around Notre Dame, and I don't know where they came from. And, and I just remember <laughs> thinking the first half of the year, people talking about the job that the offense did and Tommy Reese did, and I have no clue where that came from. And, I, and I'm yeah. thinking to myself, he scored 27 points against Duke. You scored 12 points against Louisville. You know, you look at the 45 points against Pitt. One of those touchdowns is a special teams touchdowns, and three of your touchdowns came on, came on short fields. You know, the offense really had two big plays, and that was about it. And, and I'm just hearing this narrative, but I'm thinking, this is a defensive team, and part of it is because of Brian Kelly. You know, Brian Kelly liked to talk about the offense a lot and Tommy and, and all that job, you know. Uh, and we have seemed to hear more about the defense when they didn't have a big game. And, and so whatever the case may be, that's just that was my perception. Uh, but the defense carried this team. And I'll be honest with you, Vince, the defense was better than I thought it was going to be this year. I, I actually thought the defense was going to take a bigger step back statistically than it did. Uh, number one, I thought they played better offenses than they have in recent seasons. That became especially true when you add Alabama into the mix at the end. Uh, Notre Dame has benefited in recent seasons. They've had a great, a great off, a, you know, great defenses in past seasons, but 
they haven't played a lot of great offenses. You know, the, the power team that they played in 2019, Georgia, was a really good team, but Georgia's not exactly an, uh, an explosive offensive football right. team. They're, They're more like Notre Dame than they are the premier programs like Alabama, Clemson, sure. Ohio State. Sure. So, and, and I thought they did a great job in those games. They had a couple, a couple clinkers last year, but they bounced back strong. Uh, you're always going to have games like that. The Michigan game obviously was really bad, but then the, the rest of the year they were dominant on defense. Carry that over into 2020, despite losing Julian Aguara, despite losing Khalid Kareem, despite losing uh, Troy Pride, despite losing, you know, Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott. I mean, they lost some really good football players the last two years. The year before that, they lost Drew Tranquil, Tavon Coney, Jerry Tillery, Julian Love. A lot of turnover, so, yeah. So that defense has lost a lot of players. And, and honestly – I don't think the high-end – I think the high-end talent on this t- defense was as good as we've seen since probably 2015. When you look at Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo, who's going to be a first-round pick. Sure. Uh, when you look at Kyle Hamilton, who's an All-American. Uh, I think Dalen Hayes is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the country. Uh, and, and that's because he doesn't – he's not a sack guy. But that's not right. what he's necessarily asked to do. Uh, you know, he was second on the team in, in quarterback pressures despite having almost 100 fewer – pass rush attempts than did Adi Ogundiji, uh this this past season. So uh, I thought it was a very strong group, and I think it was better as a unit than it necessarily was 11 great players. Agreed. Uh, you know, the defensive tackle position comes to mind. I don't know if there was a standout at defensive tackle the way that Jerry Tillery was in 2018. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the other linebackers, uh, other than uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, were good players, but not you know, future third-round draft picks, fourth-round draft picks like uh, like Drew Tranquil was. Cornerback was way, way below what it had been in previous years with Troy Pride and Julian Love. And, and it's just kind of funny. I want to be like, you know, all those people that were hard on Julian Love or Troy Pride in 2019, and I'll never understand that. Right. You know, probably would have loved to have had him back I was going to say. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just kind of funny how, again, it's those narratives that created, you know, because as a corner, he would not give up any throws, but then he'd give up like a back shoulder every now and then. And but that's all they'd see him. And so the only time fans saw Troy Pride was when he's giving up catches. Well, that's because the TV angle. And the reason you don't see it often is because the they're dude not going that down. way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just funny how those narratives get created sometimes. But the, the there's so many things we could point to is like this, the buck linebacker position. You're starting buck linebacker this oh, year at 14 tackles. Right. And you still had a top 20 defense, you know? So there just was so many things you look at and say, there's no reason this team should have been as good as it was on defense. And yet they were. Yeah. And, and I think a, a great deal of credit obviously goes to Clark Lee, who I thought did a, a very good job this year outside of my, my still shaking my head, trying to fathom why he kept throwing Shane Simon out there every week. Uh, Mike Elston, I think deserves a ton of credit for the job he did developing that defensive line. I mean, they were throwing waves at people. Uh, and then I think Mike Mickens did a really good job. When you consider the talent level they had at corner this year, the fact Tariq Bracey just kind of went into the tank. We, he was a bit supposed to be a big part of what this team was going to be. I thought he played well early in the year. And then he lost his confidence. And you're throwing yeah, in did. you know, Clarence Lewis, and, and, and you're still able to go out there and win football games. I, I think he deserves a, a ton of credit for that. Um, and so overall, I think it was better than I expected it to be. Uh, it carried the team for a big chunk of the year, but we saw it, it down the stretch against Clemson in the the, um, the ACC title game. We saw against Alabama in the playoff that it's still a unit that there are some spots where the talent level isn't as good as it was in, in past seasons. Uh, it, the talent level isn't as good as it needs to be at a couple spots to, to really be on that championship level, but it's so strong at other positions that they're able to make up for it. Because yeah. you look at Alabama, I mean, we talked going into that game. There's some dudes on that defense that can be taken advantage of, right? So we looked, talked about Clemson. Um, the secondary was the safety position was not a strength. So everybody has these weaknesses. Um, it's just we're going to focus on Notre Dame's. So sure. I don't think they're, you know, I don't. There's not a defense that I saw that was strong at 11 spots. Uh, right. So, so Notre Dame is not unique. So you look at what they did in big games. Uh, even though they gave up a lot of points to Clemson and Alabama, uh, they held, they played, I think the, the example I point to is the tougher schedule is you played Clemson twice, you played Alabama, you played right. North Carolina. Right. North Carolina's one hung 27 on a Texas A&M defense that was supposed to be pretty good this year. And they did it without, with other than Sam Howe, their top five offensive weapons. 2,000-yard rushers were out. 
right. a thousand yard receiver was out, and they still went and hung twenty seven up on an SEC defense and had the lead in the fourth quarter. Who was supposedly Notre, supposed to get into the playoff over Notre right. Dame? Right, Notre Dame held, out them, held a healthy North Carolina team in their own stadium to seventeen points and right. less than three hundred yards of offense with all of the guys that you just mentioned that did not play in the bowl game. Correct. Yes. So. You just you ha- kudos to them. I mean, you know, I thought they did a great job on with with the Boston College offense, which was, uh, you know, a, an offense that was had some strong moments. So sure, I think overall, Vince, I was I don't know if you had the same expectation for this defense coming into the year. I don't know if you thought they're going to be phenomenal. I just didn't. Uh, and so the fact that they're statistically overall about where they've been the last two years, I thought was an impressive an impressive thing to see. From, from a personal standpoint, what I thought that they were going to be, uh, from, from a Notre Dame standpoint, I, I did think that they were going to be um, the strength of the team. I, I mean, I, I thought the defense was still going to be the strength of this team. Um, I, I wasn't sure where they were going to rank along with everybody else, but I did think that they were going to be a strength of the team. Um, I, I thought they were going to be better than the offense, and that did end up happening. Um, I, I didn't know what the degree of difference was going to be, obviously. Uh, but I, I, that part was expected to me. But I, did, I do think that they overachieved. And I, and I do think one of the things that surprises me is how well they were able to overcome the buck linebacker position, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. That it seems like it every game. It's an all but one, two games. But, the, and the one being Clemson, what was the other one? The, the first South Clemson Florida. game. Okay. South Florida. When, oh, right. When, when, when the it was, guys who played all year didn't play. When it wasn't Shane Simon. Yeah. Or Maris uh, Lufau. I mean, it was Jack Kaiser and Jack Lamb. Correct. And it was a dominant performance in that particular game. Game balls were given to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually surprised at how they were able to overcome the weakness of that position mm-hmm. uh, overall throughout the year. So, and, and we'll talk about the weaknesses of the defense. And uh, I want to get into the strengths of the defense first. Uh, we'll, we'll start positive. We'll start with glass half full. Uh, first, because I'm just a cheery fella, and I, I didn't know if you were aware of that, but I wanted to remind you of that fact. Uh, but before we do, we want to hear from, uh, from one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. So are you telling me that you're the positive one? That's what I'm telling combo? you. That's what I'm okay. telling you. Yep. Interesting take. <laughs> Interesting take. You have to okay. be positive. Uh, Somebody was asking if we ever disagree. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. So, hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Disagree. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, there's the, I have no choice but to be positive teaching during a pandemic. So that, that's True. where I'm going to go. But, uh, but anyway, Brian, I, I want to jump into the strengths of this football team uh, because on the defensive side, there were a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so let, let's, again, let's be glass half full. Let's, let's put our happy hat on, uh, and let's talk about the, the, uh, the strengths of this defense. Let's start up front. Um, what were your, uh, strengths up front or were there any? Yeah, I think the strengths were, I think the two ends that they had were brilliant against the run. I think yes. a big reason that Notre Dame was so good against the run this year is because of Adi Ogandiji and Dalen Hayes being excellent run defenders. Uh, that's not a sexy, uh, position in the in the run game for Notre Dame because they're not necessarily designed to fly off the edge and make a bunch of tackles 
they're designed to blow up the edge and set and, and force either a spill, which is a bounce outside or force back inside, mm-hmm. um, you know, to where the help is. And that's what they were great at. I think that, that Dalen Hayes especially was really good against the run this year, not only on runs at him, but also on pursuit away. <clears throat> the, the fact is, is teams just really had a hard time getting their run game going. And even Alabama, you know, they ran for, I think Najee Harris had 120 some yards. 53 of those yards came on one play where the defensive line blew the Alabama line off the ball. It's you had linebackers that didn't scrape over top and you had a cornerback that whiffed like five yards downfield, you know? So even then Alabama wasn't running the ball on Notre Dame because their defensive line was getting pushed around. It was a snap here, snap there against the best offensive line in the country, but they more than held their own against Alabama. And so, and they really did that all year. I think the only bad game that I thought they had was in the ACC title game. Um, but, again, I think Clemson did some things to, to try to go after them. I, yeah. I think the fact that Alabama was unwilling to try to throw the ball downfield at all against Notre Dame, and, and when clearly they didn't respect the Notre Dame secondary outside of Kyle Hamilton, says everything you know about how they viewed the Notre Dame pass rush. I agree. I agree. I made that point on the radio show uh, earlier this week was that, look, every pass – was it one pass beyond 20 yards? One. They almost attempted got picked. And almost got picked off by Kyle Hamilton. So, part of so it was Kyle quick, Hamilton. Technically, technically, I just want to be clear because I've yeah. also said the one. Technically, the throw – the first the, – the second touchdown pass the, to Jaleel Billingsley, the 12-yard touchdown pass, was technically about 20 yards down the field. Well, because it was but in I don't, the end zone. Because it was in the – but I don't – that's not the same thing. Right. That's not a, a typical 20-yard pass, so I don't really count that as a 20-yard pass. No, but, I got but you. in sort of in the field, there was sure. only one. So I just well, technically what I've said is not accurate, but I, I, well, I just want to explain what I mean by that. The, the game plan by Alabama was very clear. Mm-hmm. Quick passes, get it out of the hands of Mac Jones, get it in the hands of the playmakers, uh, Devontae, Devontae Smith being clearly one mm-hmm. of them. Uh, but it was a lot of quick, quick slants. It was hitches. It was screens, uh, you know, bubble screens. It was, you know, things of that nature. Mac Jones wasn't holding on to the ball. No. And, and, and when you have a game plan like that, that's because something about the defense scares mm-hmm. you. You, you right. don't want to have to deal with taking a five-step drop or, you know, holding on to the ball for X amount of time. He didn't hold the ball for more than two and a half mm-hmm. seconds, three seconds, uh, the, the, the vast majority of the game. So – um, there's a reason I, for that. I've seen people I've, – I've actually heard – there's been a couple, a couple conversations I've had with friends of mine. I've had people call me and say, hey, what did you think of this? I heard on some radio show or some podcast or something that Notre Dame, uh, you know, pass defensive line didn't play well uh, and that they got no pressure on the quarterback. I didn't see that. I thought they did get good pressure on the quarterback just the few times that they actually did it. Right. And, and the, the reality is – when you're when you're playing a team that's just throwing quick game all day, you're not going to have a lot of pressures. I thought right. the few exactly. times that Alabama did drop back, Notre Dame got good pressure on them. And and to, to put into perspective, in the uh, eleven games before Notre Dame, Alabama threw over fifty uh, shots of at least twenty yards down the field. That's about five a game. They mm-hmm. didn't want against Notre Dame. You know, so so clearly, like you said, Vince, they saw something, and and to right. me, that's kind of how you can evaluate um, an opponent. To me, or a quality of a part of your team is how do your best opponents, how do they view it? How do they evaluate? How do they attack it? And the yes. fact is, is they didn't respect the Notre Dame secondary. They didn't necessarily right. respect the Notre Dame linebackers, other than Jeremiah Wusu, who they tried to avoid like the plague. And the one time they didn't avoid him, him and Kyle Hamilton, you know, forced a six-yard loss. for a six-yard loss. The Heisman yeah. Trophy winner, you know. Uh, but right. they, they, they respected the defensive line. They were not going to let the Notre Dame defensive line impact that game. And I think that's, that's a, a great sign of respect for, for what the Notre Dame defensive line was. Clemson, I thought, did similar things. Because Clemson learned in the first matchup, if you make this a line-versus-line game, you're going to get dominated. North right. Carolina thought they were good enough to just do what they do against Notre Dame, and right. they were wrong. And a big part of it was because of how dominant the defensive line was. So even though there was no, like, all-American caliber player like there was at linebacker in, in the secondary, 
the defensive line to me, Vince, was the most complete unit on the defense. Completely Meaning agree. They were good. I thought Kurt Heinisch had a really good steady year. You know, Absolutely. he's not, not a great producer. He's not going to have a ton of sacks or tack, but he's just a hustle guy. I thought and he flashed during the first Clemson yes. game. I thought, I thought yep. he, it was clear to even people that don't watch football in, in a way that you and I watch football, right. the way he was getting a push up the middle was also one of the reasons that Travis mm-hmm. Etienne did not have a very good run. Day. Yeah. And there was no cutback lanes. And I thought right. the Notre Dame staff did a really good job of, of limiting his reps this year. Uh, keeping a fresh rotation going. I think the depth of defensive tackle allowed him to, to really keep that motor running hot all the time, which made him a better player. Uh, I think the depth at defensive line was great. You know, Isaiah Foskey yep. showed great potential. Ovia Gofu had some flashes of good play. Justin Adamiola as a rotation guy was an outstanding run defender. It didn't matter who Notre Dame had in the game at strong side end. You weren't running on the strong side ends. Whether it was whether it was Ogundizi or Justin Adamiola, uh, they they were great at it. And I just I mean Riley Mills came in and got better this year. Yeah. It's amazing what yeah. happens when you actually play a freshman, which like they do on defense, and that guy just keeps getting better. I'm sorry, I got to stop being so snarky about that, but it is true. He it got is better. true, and, and yeah. the depth really showed because you had games where you were missing um, you were missing guys. You know, Myron uh, Tagovailoa, right? Mosa. He, he was missed out. some games. Justin Adamiola missed a couple games. Right. Jason Adamiola missed some Jason, games on the yeah. stretch. He was a really good pass rusher this year. I thought he was excellent against um, against Alabama when when he got his opportunities to get after the quarterback. And but just to uh, belabor the point that you were making, putting Riley Mills in earlier into some high leverage situations allowed for when those other guys were out to count on a guy like that, yeah. as opposed to putting him in, you know, yeah. fresh um, and not having any any yeah. experience. He would have been, he's better off for that. Yeah, and Jacob Lacey was banged up all year. You know, he right. missed, I think, a couple games. He was banged up all year. And, but they were so deep. You know, Howard Cross came in. I still don't know how that kid holds up. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how he's able to play because he's so small. But he's just – he fights, he competes, he's quick. They use his athleticism. They don't ask, her to, ask him to anchor a lot. And that's one of the things I like about Clark Lee is he's not going to ask – Howard Cross, who's maybe 275 pounds. I'm right. I believe that when I see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, they're not going to ask him to play the way Kerr Heinisch does. They were playing Howard Cross at times this year. Nose. That's how thin. That, that's that's how the the depth got at some point in time. And he held his own because right. they they allowed him to play to his strengths. Absolutely. As opposed to, um, hey, we're going to ask you to just do what we do. And so that's, to me, what made the defensive line so good. And to me, that was the best unit on the team. When they didn't have great games, the defense didn't have a great game. Florida State is an example. Uh, but And I also thought they were clutch. You know, Dalen Hayes with the big plays against Georgia Tech. You know, Adi Ogundizi with that big third down stop against North Carolina. When they needed, when a play needed to get made, they, they, a lot of times they made it. And, and to me, that's what made it. For the overtime against Clemson. Yeah. Huge. The back-to-back sacks from, from uh, Ogunijian yeah. Hayes. Uh, and so, really, just hats off to the defensive line this year. Because, again, there's no first-round pick there. Maybe Isaiah Foskey in a couple years, but he wasn't a first-round pick in 2020. He's still no. a young guy that's, that's tremendously talented that's still sure. learning how to play the game. Sure. So, uh, you know, it, it was really fun to watch that group play because the, the, they epitomize team football. Yeah. Uh, on the defense as a whole, they epitomize team football. But I think that's especially true up front there was a lot of discipline amongst that group. And the few times they got out of play, you know, gave up some big plays. But it rarely happened because right. they were just so good, so disciplined, so athletic. And kudos to Clark Lee for allowing them to, to play. They didn't play the defensive line this year like they did in 2018. They didn't because they didn't have the size. They just they, – sure. they, they adjusted and they said we're athletic, we're quick, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to let Kurt Heine shoot gaps more. I thought they did that more this year. And it was more effective. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I was impressed with the defensive line. It was, it was, it was the strength of the strength of the team, uh, if that makes sense. And um, it, it's, I'm a little worried about some of the depth and some of the positions moving forward. But that, my friend, is a different podcast, and we will come back to that yeah. at another time. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's start moving our way backwards. So um, let's let, let's talk. Instead of just taking the linebackers and then the secondary, mm-hmm. let's talk about the back seven. Yeah. That's smart because I think, I think they play – because of the way Notre Dame plays defense, 
Yes. They're almost, especially the safeties. Right. They're so intertwined in their yes. responsibilities and how they play. Yeah, right. Let's do that. So a lot of times you hear about the front seven. We're going to talk about the back seven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think the back seven, there were some holes. Uh, and, but I thought that uh, through coaching, I think they covered up some of those holes mm-hmm. pretty, pretty well the vast majority of the season. As best um, they could. Yes, as best they could. And, and let's be honest, I, I'm trying not to be negative, but one of, the, one of those holes – was because of coaching. Sure. That's, that's a different, you know. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about I mean, that in the negatives. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're staying positive yeah. right now. Uh, or we're just – we can talk about the front set or yeah. the, back, let, the back set. Let's just we'll – yeah, let's, let's – let's, yeah, okay. yeah. So, like, for me, the biggest you. thing different this year, Vince, was they had stars. And those stars <laughs> played like stars consistently. Yes. And, and that's obviously Jeremiah Wusu at Rover and Kyle Hamilton at safety. It's great to have that um, at two levels. So we talked yes. about having a star at each level – and how important that is to a good defense. And those two were absolutely stars at those two levels. To even a, a more specific point, there's different types of stars. You can have a big thumper, uh, you know, a Manti Teo kind of star player. You, you know, there's different types of ways to dominate. I think the fact that sure. Wusu, Koromoa, and Hamilton are the way that they are played a big role in this. And what I mean by that is yeah. they're erasers. And you talk about covering up mistakes. There were times this year that Kyle Hamilton and Jeremiah Wusu made plays where, as a football coach, I'm watching it, you're watching, you're saying, if he doesn't make that play, dot, dot, dot. But they always made the play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and, right. Um, you know, almost always. You know, there were some, some mistakes here and there, especially from a tackling standpoint with Jeremiah Wusu, angle standpoint with Kyle Hamilton. Um, but overall, they were just excellent. They could erase mistakes. I mean, part of the reason Notre Dame was so effective with RPOs and still able to to play a good run defense was, you know, Kyle Hamilton could stay back at 12 yards. And once he decides that it's a run play, he can be downhill in it in, in so fast. He erases those 12 yards so in a hurry. incredibly fast. Yeah. And then closes with force. Jeremiah Woos is the same way. Thinking, boy, we got this guy out leveraged. Let's run this quick screenplay. And then bam, he just outruns everyone to the good ball. luck. And that's yeah. that, that he's at elite athleticism, elite playmakers, there's not a team in the country that wouldn't have just done whatever possible to get those two kids on their defense this year. No doubt. So I think that, that was a big reason. Coaching was a part of it. And, and, you know, I've talked to some friends of mine that coach in the ACC, and the one thing they'll say is, boy, Clark, Clark does a great job of masking his weaknesses. And one of the things that I heard from talking to my, to my friends was they completely changed how they use their corners this year compared to the previous two years, which is good coaching because they didn't have Julian Love and Troy Pride anymore. Right. And so they couldn't just line up and go, man, the way that they did with Trey Pride so much last year. And, and the way, you know, and, and Nick McLeod's a good player, but he's not Julian Love. I mean, and they so they didn't zone the way Julian Love, you know, or what, the way he right. did things. Yeah. Right. And so they did a really good job of masking those players and then playing to the strengths of their team, which is the linebacker athleticism and then Kyle Hamilton. So uh, really good job there. And they did it as much as they could. When you play teams like Alabama and Clemson, you're, you're, you can't you can't hide those guys, you know the truth the truth will come out. I remember Mike Elko. I think his first year he called, uh, um, what was his nickname for Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, right? Like they're like truth serum or something like that. Like yeah, you, you right. know you you could you weren't gonna hide when you're going against those guys. You're gonna find out really who you were, uh, you know. And that's kind of how that's kind of how some of those teams are offensively. And we saw the personnel holes in the defense, but mm-hmm. they were able to 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 do such a good job, those two guys, of erasing those mistakes that it gave Mike Elko or uh, Clark Lee a lot of freedom uh, to do certain things knowing he had those two erasers. Uh, we saw him use them more on blitzes this year. I think we, we saw more pressures from the linebacker safety level than we had seen in past years. Um, not that they didn't use safeties. I, mean, I think it was Virginia that Alohi Gilman had a big sack last year. I, can't, I think it was Virginia. might not have been, but – you know, so we've seen them use safety pressures before, but this year it was constant. You know, he would bring Kyle Hamilton down in the box and then drop him, which you can't do with a guy with less range. So he used his strengths of his players and, and it really did it really well. And I think that those those two were big reasons why they were so effective this year. And sure. and I think Clarence Lewis was a, a pleasant surprise in the second yeah. half. Cloud was a good football player. Um, didn't really play a, a ton of boundary receivers that could scare you, but did what he was supposed to do in those situations. I thought Clarence Lewis uh, did what he was asked to do and did it well. You know, yeah. And then when they went against top-level players, he you know, had some struggles. 
but you, you just like his competitiveness and it was able to overcome the fact that one of the negatives was the fact that Tariq Bracey just completely lost his confidence this year. And that's a shame uh, because we've seen him at his best. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they played We Georgia. saw it at times this year. I mean, this yeah. year he had a couple good games early and then he just right. – and that to me, that's not coaching. I mean – the corners either got to have it or, you know, he doesn't. And we've seen Tariq go through these ups and downs before. And, you know, he, he's going to have to figure something out because he's a very talented athlete, very talented cover player when he's locked and in. He comes back. I mean, he's yeah. not, he's not leaving. Right. Um, so he's going to be in the mix next right. year. So that's, that's something that they're going to have to get figured mm-hmm. out because if they can, if Tariq Bracey can flip the switch and just be consistent, um, you know, I like, the combination of Tariq Bracey and Clarence Lewis, yeah. you know, coming you back because Clarence they got a, the boundary. Yeah, with you got Cam a ton Hart of experience. Battle, yeah, you, know? you got a ton of experience coming back with those two, and then you've got some pretty talented guys uh, sitting there in the two deep to battle them. So um, I think that that potential negative uh, from this year could be turned into a positive if the right steps are taken. Right. So. Um, I think the I just I think that the athleticism of this group shined for most of the year. I, again, Alabama was able to expose the two positions where I think they lacked athleticism, and that was corner and and the strong safety position, the field safety position. Alabama took advantage of that. Clemson took advantage of that. But I think against most teams, the athleticism they had really shined, and, and especially at linebacker. I, I think one of the most underappreciated players for Notre Dame is, is Drew White. And, and him and Dalen Hayes, to me, are the two most underappreciated players. I think Dalen Hayes was brilliant this year. I really do. And, and, and I don't think he got the love because he didn't put up the sack numbers you expect a five-star to put up. Um, that's not really what they asked that drop player to do. They did that with Julian Aquara because that's all Julian Aquara was really good at. Which he's really good at. He, he right. struggled when he had to actually drop into right. coverage. Right. Yeah. He had that pick against Michigan, but that was kind of like he was at the right place at the right time. You know? <laughs> right, sure. Uh, the guy kind of just – Shea Patterson didn't see him and he picked it. But he wasn't a guy you were going to ask to play in coverage a whole lot. And, and then Drew White's the other one. And I think the big misnomer is I've heard a lot of people in conversations have compared him to Joe Schmidt. I'm like, the only thing they have in common is they're about the same height and they're white. I mean, that's the only thing Drew White and Joe Schmidt have in common. Drew White is a very good athlete. And, and I don't think people appreciate how good he is as an athlete. Now, he's not very good in coverage, but I think that's more about a length thing. Sure. And the fact he's, he's a little over aggressive. Yeah. Right. But Clark Lee doesn't use him playing coverage a whole lot. And then one of his biggest moments of the year was a coverage play. You was know, a the, drop, the, was a, uh, where he tipped the ball and it got yes, intercepted. Yeah. Yes. Right. Showed run, but then kind of smoked run yeah. and then dropped underneath that post route, got his hands on the ball. Kyle Hamilton picked it off, you know? So, uh, but, but they masked his, his, you know, they used his aggressiveness as a positive instead of putting him in situations where, where he, you know, he got his coaching. Beat. Yeah. And, and it hurt them at times. I mean, t- some teams were able to expose it at times. But that's how Bama got that touchdown over the top is they took advantage of the fact that none of the linebackers were really great at coverage. Yeah. And so uh, they got behind that, but he was really good downhill. He was a, an aggressive player, shot gaps, plays a lot of range. And when he was on his game, uh, you know, he was very productive. I do think the knock on Drew White for me this year is he was a little up and down early in the year. I agreed. It was, it was some good games and then some you're like, what is he doing? And, and I yeah. think for him, it was getting used to playing in a rotation which he didn't really do the year before. Because he was more in a rotation with Bro Bauer this year Correct. than he was last year. Correct. Which and I think so I, was the right move, by the way. Agree. Because I think, I think Bo Bauer took a step from last year to this agree. year where he earned his playing time. And I think it helped keep Drew fresh all year. Sure, Because Drew Absolutely. White is not a big guy. And right. because you have to use him as a box player, there's a greater where he's not, he's not built like Manti Teo. Sure. And so uh, I, I think it was a smart move. So I'm not, not – I wish Clark Lee would have – you know, done that in the past more often. I, I think we could have seen more of that in the past years, but it, it is what it is. Um, that's without having us seen practice. That's just kind of my opinion based on their yeah. talent. You know, I'm sure there was practice reasons why he saw what he sure. saw. Uh, but, um, you know, I think those were some of the things that I really liked about this group, Vince, is, and there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there that's got to get tapped into that, that hurt them at times this year, especially, like I said, at Buck Linebacker. Uh, but I really liked how well this team ran. I liked how they competed. They were mostly assignment sound. And when you mm-hmm. beat them, it just – you had better players. And yeah. that's about the only time that Notre Dame really got beat. Um, I thought their tackling was the one thing 
on the back seven that I'm most critical of consistently. Right. Uh, We saw it against Clemson. We saw it all year. And it was either one of two things, either not, not either taking a bad angle or over pursuing and and missing, you know, over pursuing, not in the traditional sense. Uh, That might not be the correct phrase, Vince. I don't mean over pursuing like you went too high and the guy cut inside of you. I mean, you went in there out of control. Yeah. Not prepared to wrap up. And I thought we saw way too much of that on the second level and the third level this year. Well, and I and I will say in the Al- hits instead of yeah. wrapping up. I'll, I'll say in the Alabama game, it was almost the opposite of that. I thought there was a lot of tentative tackling. There was uh, that, in but that, that game. was angles. But the, but well, then there was right. the Nick McLeod play that was exactly that. It was him going for a big right. hit instead of wrapping up, uh, which allowed him to get leaped over. Right. You know, I mean, if you're going for the, a, a hit instead of throwing your shoulder into a guy. You you at least knock him out of bounds or flip him in the air. Right. You, know, you don't get leaped, and then he picks up and runs for 53 yards. So, yeah, there was some tentativeness in the Alabama game. Agree completely. Over the course of the entire year, I didn't see tentativeness. Right. All guys out of sure. control. Guys going for big hits instead of wrapping up and tackling. And I think that was that was one issue that I saw. No, I, I agree with that. Um, and And we've – you know, if we're, we're talking about negative, we're, we're kind of mixing the positives and the negatives as our conversation rolls in case everybody's curious as to what the heck we're talking about here. Uh, but, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the buck linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, look, we're not trying to bang on Shane Simon or, or well, it, that's not we are, point. but it's not personal. We're, we're just talking about right. his game. it's not personal. His game. And, and look, We'll give credit where credit's due. He had one of the best games I've ever seen at a Buck linebacker in the Clemson game the first time around. For him, he had a great yeah. game. Overall, though, only managing 14 tackles in a 12 season or 12 game season where you missed one game. So an 11 yeah. game season, that's just not good enough. That, he had that's almost just 300 snaps. Enough. Right. I'm sorry. I can't fathom that. Like, right. I, I can't fathom. You can almost like, accidentally tackle somebody 14 yeah. times in that many snaps. I remember when we talked about uh, how, how frustrated I was in 2015 when Joe Schmidt went through an entire game against Clemson and didn't record a single tackle. And now you're looking at a buck linebacker that averaged a little over one tackle per game. Right. And, and you know, and so, like, early in the year, I was kind of willing to give Clark Lee the benefit of the doubt because, number one, a guy like Shane Simon is always going to be attractive to a coach because he's long and he's, he's athletic. athletic. He's fast. I get it. Right. So, so, you know, you watched him be really robotic early, no instincts whatsoever, late responding to everything, just no sense of read and go, just fly to the ball. And then with Marist, you kind of see almost the opposite, opposite with him. You see a guy that, that flies to the ball, but it's often not the right, angle or right gap or whatever and there it's like you couldn't combine them into one guy unfortunately uh but after a while you kind of said well maybe he's just really good in practice and that's that's fair but like after a while you're kind of like okay we've seen enough in games to realize that what he's doing in practice shouldn't matter anymore this is a liability uh and and it was a liability far too often And, and if it wasn't for i'm gonna tell you something right now if it wasn't for having kyle hamilton on the back end of the defense and having a great defensive line, that that position would have got exposed a lot more than it had. And that that was my problem area. So it just – it'd be one thing if they didn't have anybody else. But I don't know how you kind of watch the South Florida game and you watch how well Jack Lamb played in nickel last year and say that Jack Kaiser and Jack Lamb don't deserve more snaps. Sure, absolutely. And that just blew my mind. And, right. and so well, it's I want, one I of the great to... mysteries, Vince. I still, right. I still can't think of a, of, a, of a justification for why we kept seeing the same duo week after week after couple, week. A couple of years down the, ro- down the road when we get far away, you need to, you, you need to, you need to give uh, Clark Lee a call and be like, hey, man, I got to ask okay. you a question. Just, yeah. you know. You just um, took Vandy to a bowl game. What the heck were you thinking? <laughs> right. I, I wanted to give a little perspective here. Remember last year at the beginning of the year, you and I and many others mm-hmm. were at a loss for why Asmar Bilal was starting. And we didn't think anything was going to, you know, it was a disaster. It was going to be a disaster. I said flatly, you can't have a great defense with Asmar Bilal linebacker. I'll say it. And, I said that. Right. I said and, that early in the year. And we were and wrong. Louisville game, 
I thought I was like, I was see, that's what I'm yeah. talking about right there. Right. Bam. And you know, he ended up playing we very were well. Way wrong. We were way wrong. And we, we made <laughs> By the fault third of that game one. of the year. Yes, absolutely. He showed that we were wrong. <laughs> absolutely. But just as a comparison, he played the same position, mm-hmm. 79 tackles last year. Yeah. 79. He had almost as many tackles for loss <laughs> as Shane Simon had tackles. Stop it. He did. He had 10 I tackles know. for loss last year. I know. He had I know. more tackles. Well, actually, actually and, and I'm going to say this. He had more tackles. For, he had twice as many tackles for loss, 10, as Shane Simon had solo tackles, five. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it. Right. No, nine solo tackles. He had five assists. So he had more tackles for loss than Shane Simon had solo tackles. Correct. That, that's, that's just uh, – and the, and I have the no word except unfathomable. I just right. – I can't – I the year before, here, here's some fun for you. The year before, Drew Tranquil was in the puck position, right? Mm-hmm. 86 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Okay? 86 tackles. And, I, and I'm, mm-hmm. not saying Drew, I, I'm not saying Shane Simon is Drew Tranquil. We, we know what Drew Tranquil is, whatever. Even a third of Drew Tranquil, a quarter but, of Drew Tranquil from a production man, standpoint. That is, the point is, it is such a difference in comparison. It's the same position. Same defense, and there's such a difference in stat production. Well, and if you add him and Mer, because part of it was he rotated a lot more. Okay, so let's let's be fair, right? He, okay. he played a lot fewer snaps. I'm, I, you okay. know, I don't have time to look the numbers up now, but I'm I'm actually I'll try as as we're talking. But his 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 numbers, he had 297 snaps last year, right? So okay. that's that's one thing. So let's let's kind of yeah. look at it that right. I would imagine Drew Tranquil was in the fives. I would imagine. Okay. Okay. Right, but when you add all the bucks, the, the three bucks really that played this year, when you look at um, Jack Kaiser, Marist, and and Shane Simon, and, and Kaiser just, played what? A couple. He played a, a few games. games. Yeah, but he got in yeah. against BC, for example, had an interception uh, against BC. Uh, played the whole which, South Florida game, right? Or the most well. The South well, him game. and Jack Lamb played right. the South Florida game together, right. and they and they combined to play really well. Jack Lamb was actually Pro Football Focus's highest graded defensive player in that game. Mm. Amazing. So, um, you know, so I mean, so there were some things that that you saw, but uh, you add those three guys together, they had fifty six tackles this year. That's still not anywhere close to what it was before, and only right. one fewer game. You right. know, because it was a shortened season for a lot of people. Notre Dame only had it shortened by one game compared to other years, which sure. is a huge credit to, to the Notre Dame program as a whole. No doubt. That they only lost the one game. And really, they only lost that game. They lost the game first time because of them, because of the issues they had, which everyone's going to have some sort of COVID issue. Uh, but they could have played it the second time. They were prepared to play it the second time. So, I, I just – Vince, I just I, – I am having such a hard time understanding just how you kept seeing that week after week after week. You know, so comparison, by the way, Asmar had uh, 684 tackles last year. So about uh, over twice the amount of tackle. Of, uh, excuse me. 684 plays. Yeah, okay. snap. That'd be a heck of a year. Six I was going to say, that's, wow. That's old school BC stat production right there. <laughs> Luke Keekley like, sniffs a pile. Assist. Um, <laughs> but uh, 684 snaps, uh, 336 run snaps. So Shane, this is according to Pro Football Focus, Shane Simon this year, uh, I got to scroll down because he's way down here. He had 297 uh, total snaps, 138 rush snaps. So about a third of the total rush snaps. Okay. 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 But the level of production compared to – so even if you took his 14 tackles and timed it by three, that's 42. Yeah. That's nowhere close right. to the level to of production. 79. Right. 79. Yeah, right. Correct. Right. Uh, you know, and so it just – there's really there's no justification for it. I don't think right. he has, did he have even a, did he have any tackles for loss this year? Oh, I already got I rid know. of the, the the sheet. I apologize. And one, okay, had one tackle for loss. This yeah, I think year. it was in the Clemson game. Clemson actually, game. one yeah. tackle for loss for minus one yard. I just don't know how that's possible at your buck linebacker. Position. Right. So and room to improve. At the buck linebacker position. Is that yeah. safe to say? Yeah, Maris had um, one and a half tackles for loss. So your two primary you bucks go. had two and a half two and tackles half. for loss the entire year. Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, it, honestly, that's a problem. Now, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up as far as, you know, positives, negatives, before we move yeah. on to our, our next little mini topic? I, here I thought we close up? It, the, hard, the hard part, Vince, for me is being critical of Sean Crawford. 
because I have such great respect for Sean Crawford as a, as, as a man. He's not even a young yes. man. I mean, he's a man. He's you know? a man. And, yeah, he's got and his doctorate. I mean that with so. a great deal of respect. Um, yes. But the fact of the matter is he was a liability many times this year. And, and the frustration for me was is, is people came around to it late in the year and everybody kept focusing on the great story. But Vince, you and I talked about Sean Crawford a lot this year. And, and, and people didn't want to hear it sometimes, but he was a liability for a lot of the year. Right. He, the, the problem was there weren't teams that were good enough up front to allow the quarterbacks the time to beat him. To, to take advantage of that. Correct. Yeah, right. And, and they, didn't, they didn't always face the type of offenses that could expose that. But there were a lot of missed tackles. There were poor angles. I mean, there were times he would just flat out whiff in space. Um, and, and part of it was he was learning a new position where he sure. was having to play. I mean, he had always been close to the line of scrimmage. He was either a nickel where he's corner. up close to the line of scrimmage or he's a corner where he was playing outside. I mean, his, the angle that he was playing at all year was different. Yeah. It was just a whole lot different. So that was kind of a negative. Uh, and the fact that they didn't, they didn't find a way to get Houston yeah. more opportunities. I mean, Houston was a little up and down when he played, but you, you got to give that kid some chances to play and see what he's right. got. And now you right. didn't, and now he's out of there. Now, now he's leaving really in a, in, in a yeah. big pickle for next we'll, year. We'll, so. we'll cover that later on, but yeah, uh, that's tough. Yeah, um, but the pass defense as a whole, Vince, was was where you saw the big drop off this year. And when you look at the 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 two previous years, they ranked second and third in yards allowed per pass attempt. This year, they ranked forty seventh. That was the one area we saw Notre Dame take a huge step back. Teams were able to make big plays on them. Yeah, uh, the pass rush protected them for much of the year, so teams couldn't do it a lot. Sure. Because they couldn't protect the quarterback long enough. Sure. But the teams that could give any kind of protection to the quarterback were able to expose Notre Dame down the field and, and were able to beat them for a lot of plays. And it was McLeod at times. It was Sean Crawford at times. It was Clarence Lewis at times. It was Treat Bracey at times. Uh, it was, and late in the year, it was Sean Crawford more, than, more often than not. But yeah. um, th those were the things where you looked at and say, they're going to have to. They're going to have to figure out some answers next year. There's going to have to be open competitions at every yeah. defensive spot, defensive back spot, except really one, and that's yeah, Kyle safety. Hamilton. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, so those are some. And that's going to be a really interesting part of this offseason, Vince, as we transition. I, I actually expect. I think the defensive line is still going to be really good. They got to find an answer for strong side end. I, I predict they'll move stop Myron Tungavaloa out there at, at times. I think Justin Adam Mule is proving he can be a rotation guy. Uh, I, I think if if Isaiah Foskey and Jordan Patelho make the kind of strides as players that I think they're capable of, that's going to be a, a loaded position next year. Assume they just got to make sure they stay healthy because after that, there's nothing. With Ovia Gofu leaving, there's nothing. I think defensive tackle is going to be strong. They get everybody back. You're getting your starters back for You're sure. You're getting everybody back. And Jacob Lacey is going to be healthy next year. Uh, you get uh, Aiden Keana Ana is going to be a, a, a year older. Gabriel Rubio shows up in the spring. So they're going to be loaded inside next year. Linebacker, plenty of bodies inside. Big question mark at Rover. If you don't take one of those bucks and, 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 or some uh, Jack Kaiser or Maris and make one of them a Rover to battle with Paul Moala and Isaiah Pryor, I mean, assuming they're running the same kind of defense, I, I don't know what you're doing here. Um, so, and, and then of course, there, the major question mark is safety. That's the one position on defense that I'm looking in the transfer portal big time. Yeah. Trying to find a guy at safety yeah. because with Houston Griffith gone, that You're is a trouble. major question mark. Now they got yeah. some freshmen coming in, I think, and help. Uh, but I don't but want, you don't want to count to, on freshmen mm, to be your starter. You know, I mean. Litchfield Ajavon, what kind of growth does he show? Can right. KJ Wallace kind of step into that Sean Crawford role and, and, and be, you know, I think a little better cover player? There's, so there's some guys there. But I am absolutely looking into the transfer portal for the right kind of guy. I mean, he's sure. got to be a guy that can come in and start and be a Notre Dame caliber player. But I've got my eyes open. And I think playing beside Kyle Hamilton should probably be an attractive thing for a lot of, would think. A lot of players. they got to find who the defensive coordinator is first. Right. And I'm well, a little concerned about that right yeah, now. Some of the well. names I'm seeing thrown around as likely options has got me well. very, very nervous and confused as to why more top defensive coordinators either A, aren't being pursued, or B, um, aren't interested, aren't interested yeah. which is concerning when you consider what Notre – I mean, the last two defensive coordinators in Notre Dame, one got a huge pay raise at Texas A&M in one a head year, coach. and the other one just got a head coach at an SEC job. You know, yeah. so um, you'd think it'd be a really attractive job, and maybe it will be. Maybe they get Marcus Freeman. The latest I've heard is that, that – there's not a ton of optimism in that. They're still trying. But, I mean, some of the names I'm seeing thrown around. At I'm least like, they're That's trying. The 
it's the best Notre Dame can do is that. Yeah. Um, so it's um, – It'd be it's interesting. a little concerning. But, you know, but again, that's just what we're hearing. We'll see what happens. Brian Kelly's done – three of his four defensive coordinator hires have been very good. So I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and, you know, for now that he's going to do it. But um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more nervous now than I was a week ago. I get it. So on paper, uh, I believe Notre Dame has to replace five starters mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but they're, they're, and, and we're going to go into later on down the road, yeah. we're going to go position by position and what right. we think is going to happen with each group, mm-hmm. what we'd like to see happen, et cetera. So be on the lookout for those podcasts because they will be coming. And you'll also have stuff over on irishbreakdown.com, uh, all those position breakdowns, et cetera. I've already done the two defensive end ones. Had there the drop end one today, had the strong side one the other day. So there you go. Um, check those out for sure. So, and, we will have our offensive uh, season breakdown tomorrow, so make mm-hmm. sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, but that has been our, our defensive breakdown for the season. We're also going to give out some end-of-the-season awards, Brian. Indeed, and uh, yep. I'm personally looking forward to that one. Those are yeah, always That's a fun show because that's and, pure positive right there. I mean, that's and and just... that's, that's where we can differ. For yeah. all those people that don't want us to get along, uh, there's a chance that we might actually disagree. So that would be There's good. a strong chance. I know in a couple <laughs> spots that we're going to definitely disagree. But. Yeah. So, uh, but we appreciate you joining. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you downloading. Make sure you head over to irishbreakdown.com. See everything that we've got over there. Uh, but until next time, I'm Vince D'Addario. That, wait, nope, this way. That way. No, you are right the first time. I was right the first time. I see right it's not that time. way on my yep. screen. It, all right. Well, either way, that way is Brian Driscoll. And uh, the we'll guy beside me. That's right. We'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.